by and large, you're talking about imperialism. Mm. And I don't see that in church or the service. I can see you. I can see me. I'll be the eyes so that I just can be. This is another episode of a special series called Enough for All of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. This series sheds light on 75 years of an NGO called CWS. My name is Mouris Bloom and I welcome you to another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Good day, everybody. This is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen, but actually this is an episode of a special series called Enough for All, a series where we talk uh, about an NGO, a faith-based organization called Church Vault Service or CWS. I'm delighted with today's guest who has been on the board of uh, CWS for a number of years and involved with a lot of work of CWS as well. Um, as always, I will ask her to introduce herself. Uh, Eunice, please go ahead. Uh, thank you, Maurice. Um, nice to talk with you again. My name is Eunice Kamara. I'm a professor of ethics in the Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies at Moore University. I am 58 years old. Young. <laughs> yep. And, 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 and uh, you're living in Kenya, right? Yes, I live yeah. in Eldoret, Kenya. Great. Um, you know, see, as I said, I'm, I'm really delighted to be able to speak with you again, uh, but now specifically about, uh, you know, how you got involved with, with Church World Service, etc. Um, yeah, can you tell, uh, do you still remember the first time that you heard about the organization? Yes, the, the first time I heard about Church World Service was actually from then Linda Robbins, now she's Linda Hussman, mm -hmm. and um, I'd visited Indiana University, and I went to give a talk at um, Indiana University in South Bend, and my host at South Bend was a psychologist who happened to be a friend of Linda. So when the psychologist in invited me to her house, I found Lida there. And Lida is the one who spoke to me first about church world service. Uh, I was excited about an ecumenical movement um, that is all over the world, uh, particularly because of my um, work. I was still then working with Moore University as a lecturer, and I was interested in the work of the church in development. So I was like, oh, okay. So we have a big um, ecumenical movement mm -hmm. uh, that is serving people to end hunger and poverty. And I thought, wow, that's good. I, I was excited because I like to hear that the church is doing development work. And before mm -hmm. that, I was working, not before, at that point, actually, I was still working um, kind of consulting for, for the World Council of Churches, mm -hmm. which is another uh, ecumenical, big ecumenical movement, and I'd been very impressed at the work that the Church of Service was able to do because of its uh, size, you know, its mm -hmm. ecumenical nature, yes. And do you remember when, in which year you gave that, uh, you know, presentation or lecture in, in uh, South Bend, which is in Indiana and the Midwest in, in the U.S.? Yes, I'm thinking it was 2002 or 2003. Mm. Yes. Okay, so you you have been you well you've you've heard uh, about CWS for quite a number of years. You know, yes. yeah, I hear you saying in terms of that you were impressed by the size of this ecumenical work. Can you be more specific what you really like about the work of of CWS? Well, um, first, there's um, 
impact in numbers. Hmm. If you're big, if you're a big organization, you're more likely to achieve uh, things that you'd not achieve on your own. Because then when you have many um, networks or many churches or many denominations coming together for a common goal, the chances of achieving that goal is higher than when you're doing it on your own. And um, what impressed me most about uh, church on service is that it was a service in the sense that it was working with the most vulnerable populations in the world and addressing the very important or the most basic needs of human uh, which relate to hunger. Um, I was more impressed particularly about the attempts by the church hold service to address uh, root issues, root causes of poverty, root causes of hunger, and um, in resettlement work to give people um, some ground on which they can stand on their own. I thought that was quite impressive. So the work of resettling um, immigrants in the US uh, was giving individuals opportunity to find opportunities in America. So I thought that was um, quite impressive. Mm. And it was, um, uh, it was also impressive in the sense that it was giving hope, you know, making people who are hopeless feel like there is hope tomorrow. And I remember when I talked to Linda Usman first about church of service, she spoke extensively to me about uh, church of service, work with the young people uh, through the giving hope methodology. And we were specifically talking about Eastern Africa, working with the young people who are HIV orphans, either total orphans or uh, they had lost one parents. And at the same time, they were poor. So they were poor and they were uh, victims or they were um, persons who had been adversely affected by HIV. And church on service was giving them hope, you know, like this is not the end of the world. Life can go on. And I thought their work with the um, uh, orphans who are especially who are heads of households was quite impressive. So that's what I liked most uh, at the point when I heard about it, when I heard about church or service. Yeah. And, and I know you later got involved. Um, yes. Can, can you tell a bit, a bit about how you got involved? And, you know, because in different times of your life and career, did different things for for uh, or together with CWS. Yes. So initially, um, I got interested in church hall service because I was interested in linking some young people who I was working with with the church hall service. So through Carol Thuo, I'm sure you remember Carol Thuo, who has moved on to other another organization. Um, through Karothuo, my young people, the young people I was working with in Eldred were able to get some exposure, particularly on this giving hope methodology. So that was the very first thing that we did with Karo after she was introduced to me by Lida. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Lida and Karo got me involved in some research project assessing the giving hope methodology. Mm -hmm. So we went across Kenya and talked with the young people who were within the um, uh, church or service giving hope uh, program. And it was impressive to hear them speak about um, the work of church or service in their lives. And this uh, project had so much impact in my life because I got to make friends with a number of young people. And one of the young people left an impression in my life was a young girl I met in, in Chirangani. Chirangani is like two hours from where I am, from Mildred. And um, she was, you know, she just impressed me. I was just, you know, we just clicked and became good friends. And we, we've been friends since. 
although unfortunately she passed on about a year ago. She mm -hmm. had a, she had a, what is it called? She had a, a problem. Uh, she had leukemia. Is it called leukemia? Blood leukemia. cancer? Leukemia, yeah. Yes, leukemia. Yes, she had leukemia. So I, I still remember her and she was such a good friend of mine. Mm. So I still remember a lot of things uh, that came out of that project that I did with Church of Service. And then after that project, that's when I got in the board. Lida suggested to me that she thought I could be of use in the board of directors of Church of Service. And uh, Lida was so passionate about Church of Service. I didn't have a chance to agree mm. and say, yes, I'm happy to work with the board. And I'm glad I did. Mm. Yeah, yes. and, and and I know CWS is was glad to have you. If you look back at at uh, you know, thanks for sharing. You know the, the time around giving mm -hmm. hope, and what is clear is is uh, that I think mm -hmm. you know the methodology and how CWS approached its its work. Uh, yeah. really clicked with uh, what you stand for and, and how you work yourself. Um, if you, well, you also uh, were part of the board. If you look back at your period uh, on the board, what are you most proud of? You know, that happened during the time that you were there. Mm, well, like I said, one of the things that, um, one of the programs I like with Churchwood Service is the one of resettling immigrants. Mm -hmm. And the thing that stands in my mind happened just the other day when, um, uh, what's his name? The former president, Trump. When Trump um, was uh, locking out immigrants, and I remember the church for service coming in strongly and opposing that and pushing and pushing, advocating until, um, the policy was kind of the national policy by Trump was uh, kind of um, watered down. That that stuck in my mind because I was like, "Wow, this is amazing!" That church for service is able to push even Trump into doing something like this. So that stuck in my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. I don't know. I don't know why I think so much about immigrants uh, because. I think my experience abroad, particularly in the US, has been like, uh, I wouldn't want to live in the US. I would want to go back home. Every time I go there, and I want to go back home. I miss home. So when, you, when I see people coming to the US and uh, they are being denied entry, I'm like, Really, these people don't really want to come to the US. They're not just coming to the US because it's fun. Definitely, mm. they are in trouble. So when mm. I see that, uh, when I learn about, and I'm involved in the work of church or service uh, with regard to resettlement of immigrants, if I feel this is great work. Mm. Yeah. So the, the, the fact that church or service was able to push back uh, some of Trump's policy. Mm -hmm. was amazing for me. It left an impression in my mind. You know, when CWS celebrated its 50th uh, birthday or anniversary, mm -hmm. uh, it made yes. a book called um, Help and Hope, 50 Years of Help mm -hmm. and Hope. Last yes. year, in 2021, it celebrated 75 years. Mm -hmm. uh, anniversary. It did not produce a book, although you know a short, um, yeah, short experience by the former uh, president and CEO John McCullough is, you mm -hmm. know, is to be expected. And and um, I hope that in the in the notes of the podcast, I will be able to to put a link there so that people can download what he has written about, mm -hmm. you know, his perspective mm -hmm. about seventy five yeah. years. Um, but if if we would write a book and you would be asked to come up with a title for 75 mm -hmm. years of CWS, what would you, um, you know, what would some of the keywords uh, in that title, 
uh, be from your mm -hmm. perspective? Um, there would definitely be faithful service. You know, mm -hmm. 75 years is a long time. So there is quite some bit of faithfulness on the part of churchward service. Mm -hmm. And uh, the concept of giving hope be very strong. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I'll probably call the book Faithful Service, Giving Hope. If you look at the evolution or the development or the growth of, of CWS of Church World Service, um, yeah, I, you know, many say, okay, it started as a US Christian charity and then slowly, you know, it went into more ecumenical and mm -hmm. now um, it is a global mm -hmm. um, interfaith. Uh, organization yeah would you say yes i agree or or would you say no i don't agree because or yeah on the one hand i can see you know it's more global but the other hand it's still uh you know u.s organization so what what is your observation around around that about the, the development of um, the u.s over time I'd, yeah i would say yes and no Mm -hmm. uh, yes, in the sense that uh, much of the uh, um, there's a lot of work of church or service going on around the world. Mm -hmm. It's not just things happening in the US. There's a lot happening outside US, in Asia, in Africa, mm -hmm. in Latin America. So in a sense, I would agree, yes, it's moved from being US to being um ecumenical and even to being interfaith. Mm -hmm. um, in my experience, I would say yes, it's not so much Christian now. Mm -hmm. I didn't quite um, get the impression that it is Christian, except in the word church. Mm -hmm. um, it is more of, um, I would say, um, a faith based, it's faith based, all right. It's based mm -hmm. on faith, but it's not necessarily, um, it doesn't necessarily come out as Christian faith. Mm. So, yes, I would say probably it's interfaith, but it is not interfaith in the sense that it doesn't quite bring all the faiths that you'd find in America, for example, mm -hmm. across the world. There may be, uh, quite a bit around uh, Christianity, around uh, the Jewish tradition, but I'm not sure I've had experience of um, Muslims mm -hmm. in the board or even in the staff. Most of the staff would gather Christian rather than interfaith. So, but in terms of the people that church or staffs have, Church service serves well. It would be interfaith because it mm. doesn't it doesn't isolate like we are going to help Muslims or we're going to help Christians. I mean, it's help to whoever is in need of help. Mm -hmm. um, but I would I would um, take issue with the the the, the movement to use of the term global. Um, I would, I would be thinking interfaith would be a better description than global, because global sounds mm. fashionable. <laughs> mm. It sounds like uh, moving with the flow, moving with the world, you know, mm -hmm. and the way the world has been moving is um, not so much global. When you say global. Um, global health, for example, you say global politics, or you say global economics. Um, by and large, you're talking about imperialism. Mm. And I don't see that in church or the service. So I'm like, probably the word global doesn't quite, quite resonate um, with you. 
Mm. Resonate, yes, resonate with you. But it's probably because I have a, a, a biased, maybe it's not biased, but um, my view of the term global and globalization and the process uh, the term represents is that things are coming from, um, from Europe, from the global north to the global south. And the global north is, you know, kind of dictating and pushing the global south into a certain direction. Mm. And I'm like, we need to be more sensitive to the needs of the global south mm. and the contexts and the experiences and the situations. And here I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking about. Um, things that people in the global, and by the global north and the global south, I'm not necessarily talking uh, geographically. Even within Kenya, we have the global north and the global south, hmm. where the global north is the rich and the powerful, and the global south are the, the, the people that judge out service serves. Hmm. So what I see is, uh, what, what I think, Every time I see the word global and globalization, I feel we are being condensed into a village for purposes of control that uh, the global north can then take charge and control how we do things. And I can give an illustration, particularly mm -hmm. in the context of COVID. Um, COVID came uh, starting out there starting in the global north, uh, but when it got to the global south, the global north was quick to say, this is what you need to do. And this is what was floated as international best practices, in, including the very basic protocols of wash hands, use sanitizer, uh, stay indoors, isolate and so on and so forth. And I'm like, while we agree that these are good practices, they're not global. In Africa or in Kenya for that matter, I can tell you that the people who isolated, the people who washed hands, the people who use sanitizers are in the global north. They are the rich in those biggest states. And I can say probably the kind of estate I live in because I'm able to wash hands I can afford to buy sanitizers. I can afford to stay indoors and work from the house. But the big majority, the huge majority of Kenyan people cannot afford to wash hands every now and then. They cannot afford sanitizer. They cannot afford to isolate. They are living in a one-roomed house uh, as a family of 10. So how do you isolate when you're in a five meters by five meters house and you're 10 of you? So I'm like, why are we calling them international best practices? They are not practical. I mean, you can't practice them. They may be best practices, perhaps. And I'm not saying they are not important, they are not necessary. But I'm saying it's important to look at context. So my quarrel with the word global is that I find it hypocritical. It's like saying we are together, but we are not together. You know, like the way... Uh, humanitarian organization. They kept saying, we are in this together, we are in this together, but practically, there's nothing like a globe. Yes, if, if I ask you to name uh, one colleague, a partner or a supporter of CWS, mm -hmm. Who mm -hmm. best embodies of what CWS is about from your point of view? Yeah, who, mm -hmm. which person would you name and why? First, I would name Maurice Gloim. <laughs> you cannot name me. <laughs> okay, then I don't know who to name. I'll name somebody after that. But let me explain why I think Maurice is one of the greatest mm -hmm. of church for service. Um, your 100 mile. Um, um, what do you walk. call it? Walk. walk. Yeah, your 100 mile walk 
is the greatest service I have seen anybody give to anything. And I remember you uh, asking me a question sometimes back. Uh, if I was to do a hundred mile walk, what would I do it for? Who would I do it for? I don't know what I said then, but uh, I suspect I said I would do it for my mother. <laughs> I don't think I'll do it for anybody else, <laughs> for anything else. So when you do it persistently every year, I'm just impressed. I'm like, this is amazing. It's amazing that somebody can give their time, their energy, their, their life, because it's, it's not like you're giving money. I know you raise funds in the process, but what you yourself give is not money or material things. You give yourself, you give your life. So that for me embodies what service is in general and what church world service is about. Uh, if you say I don't name you, then I'll name Linda Hussman uh, again, because I know her. I may not know the people at uh, the staff or the supporters of church world service. So I'm naming who I know. And the second person would be Linda Hussman because she's very, very passionate about church world service. Even now in her retirement, she keeps talking about church of service. She keeps um, uh, saying this and that about church of service. When she's disappointed, she'll be telling me I'm disappointed. When she's happy, she'll say I'm happy. And she's glad this is happening. And she, and so she, I wouldn't have joined church of service, but it's not for Linda. I was clear that I had done some bit at the global level with the, the World Council of Churches, but Linda kept pushing and pushing and her passion and support for church world service was something. Yep. Okay. No, uh, yeah, th th thank you for, for mentioning Linda. I, I hope that uh... I approach her. I hope. I hope she uh, will ultimately say yes to being part of this podcast <laughs> as well. If you see, uh, yeah, I, I agree. She did a lot, and and actually still is doing uh, a lot for CWS. So um, yeah, th thank you for mentioning her name. Um, yeah, for, for me, Linda, in and as well as you, are are synonym for not asking the question to the people we work with and collaborate what do you need but what do you have mm -hmm. and i i yeah i i really liked it that's the asset-based approach right and uh, mm -hmm. um, yeah if you talk about you know working together co-creation dignity mm -hmm. yeah that that is the essence of of what linda always uh, tries to mm -hmm. do and when she works yeah um so yeah, thanks for, sh for, for sharing that. Um, I would also ask you to share an anecdote or an experience that best describes your time with CWS, you know, a memory. You've mentioned a couple. One of the experiences I treasure again was a visit mm -hmm. we made to, oh, I can't remember exactly where, but it was a center for immigrants. Mm-hmm. It was uh, during a board meeting when we visited one of our partners, yes, exactly. a refugee resettlement center yes. uh, agency. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And um, it, it's, it's something I remember so clearly because like I said, I was like poor people. You know, I was like, I, was, I felt like if I was in their shoes, I would be completely hopeless. Because like I said, my experience is that I love home and I'm, I'm quite a social person. I want to be around people I feel socially secure around, you know, mm. I want to be with my relatives. I made fun. I said, if I was to relocate to the U.S., I would move with my mother, I would move with my family, husband and children, I would move with my house girl, I would move with my neighbor, you know. Uh, so I looked at them and I felt what it means to be dislocated socially and physically. 
and I imagined, I remember looking at one lady who had a small child there, and I was thinking, this lady did the so many hours flight from Nairobi, most of them from Africa would be coming through Nairobi. So first you have to do the flight from Nairobi to Amsterdam or to the UK or wherever, to Asia, about eight hours. And then you do another eight hours from Europe to America. And I'm like, what were they thinking? Even as everything was going on, my mind was, focusing on what that woman must have experienced. And she must have wondered, where is this we are going that we are not arriving? And we are going by air. And I imagined how, how destabilizing that must have been for her. And then I was thinking of how it must be, it must be um, um, amazing for her, not amazing, comforting for her that some organization would be waiting for her and receive her and try to make her life livable. You know, in one word, give her hope. Because by the time she arrived in the US, I'm sure she had no hope. That flight, I can tell you, Maurice, is too long. Nobody ever makes those journeys back here at home, even by road. To make an eight-hour road journey, there must be a big issue. Not just a road travel, it's by air. So she must have been thinking, I'm going to the end of the world. I mean, so to find a place that she would be at least be taken care of would be, you know, like giving hope. I don't know how else to put it. It it would give her hope. So that experience left me feeling how important church world service is. And in my mind, I was saying, well done, church world service. Thank you. We, we talked about, you know, CWS has been growing, evolving, developing over time. Uh, and yeah, you, you also have been part of this discussion as a board member. Um, mm -hmm. CWS is also looking at, you know, do we need to, how is it in terms of the brand CWS? Because, um, mm -hmm. you know, we were, we are still a membership organization, but, you know, the our supporters um yeah are, are are 60 plus and we know that mm -hmm. if we have to continue we need to attract a younger generation as well so we are thinking mm -hmm. about should we have a name change you know do we need to talk in a different way yeah how do you how do you see what do you, yeah what is your reaction when you hear that we have had discussions about changing the name from uh, church world service well initially only talking about CWS, but then maybe another name even because CWS, what does that mean? And that also has to do with that many of the younger generation have a, a bad, uh, not, a, not necessarily a positive reaction when they hear, hear the word church. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, can you be a little bit reflect on, on yeah, that, that CWS might uh, change or is considering it uh, changing the name or yeah what is your opinion about it mm, I don't know about or I don't have an impression that younger generations would not be keen to have the word church mm -hmm. at least not from Africa mm -hmm. Because some of the best movements in this country, in my country, Kenya, are actually around churches and they are led by young people. One of the most dynamic churches in Kenya, actually in Nairobi, operating in the city of Nairobi, is called Mavuno. It's a church. It's called Mavuno Church. Mm -hmm. And it is largely led by young people. And this is one of the churches that did 
enormous work responding uh, to COVID crisis, particularly in terms of going to informal settlements and providing families with food and therefore enable them to stay at home. And I was like, we have such dynamic young people and it's amazing that they are faith-based, they are Christians and they want to identify as Christian. So it may be that out there, young people don't want to identify with church, but here there's quite a huge population that identifies with the church. What has happened is that the church has changed its face so that it is culturally dynamic. And with the church becoming culturally dynamic, it remains attractive to young people. Like that Mabuno church, they, uh, they have like, um, what do I, how do I describe? They have very youth culture in mm. that Mabuno church. Uh, for example, there is a lot of um, modern dancing, you know, this boom, boom, boom music with a lot of uh, instruments. Mm -hmm. That's one of the characteristics of mm. those churches that attract young people. And then there's not so much um, obsession with how are you dressed? Because in, in traditional churches in Kenya, there'll be a lot of, you can't go to church in trousers. It doesn't matter how decent the trousers are and that kind of thing. But those churches which are attracting young people have, have capitalized on uh, a dynamic youth culture to keep young people, even in terms of language. So I'm thinking the name would not be a big deal. What would be a big deal is the way things are done. Are they being done in a modern kind of way? Are we using IT, for example, because young people want to use a lot of IT. So I think the, the name is not so much of an issue as the way things are done and mm. how um, that attracts young people and younger generations. Okay. So what I would say is maybe uh, having more youthful members in the board would help mm -hmm. because then they would give ideas on how to uh, make church world service youthful. You know, from, from our previous podcast that I like music, so I always have a music question. Um, mm -hmm. If I ask you to come up with a song or a piece of music that mm -hmm. represents CWS, mm -hmm. what song would that be? Mm, two songs okay and, and there are two because the first one i don't know if you'd where you'd find it mm -hmm. because it's it's a song we sang in nursery school or in sunday school when i was very young a small girl and i don't know it in english i know it in my mother tongue but basically it talks about uh building stone by stone hmm. so the song says all the time we are building one stone after the other one stone after the other anytime we win by supporting somebody in need we put a new stone on top so th that song tells me of the work of church world service, which piece by piece, it builds hope across the globe or across the world. A huge constitution, but um, church world service is not, is not um, overwhelmed because it does it one at a time. So that's one of the songs. And you, the other can you, song, um, sorry to interrupt you. Can you give a, a, a little glimpse of, of the melody? Because it's it's a it's a nursery song. Uh, yes. Right? It's it's we'd sing and um let me see whether mm, we'd sing and do like this. 
sose igo siole to akaga ida o kaida he karu iria itone kaga no iria to hota na ni maiga magoka he karu ya tene na tene so we'd be like building mm-hmm. Yeah. and going up or and then including everybody. Mm. So this would be this tells me of world building the world bit by bit. Mm-hmm. So that's that's so, why it reminds me of church world service. Right. And and when you were talking about stepping stones I I remember that in the HIV AIDS prevention work mm-hmm. um it was yep. often used as well and referred to right yes is that yeah. there's even a manual called stepping stones stepping stones yeah yes yes okay mm. and then the second song and the second song is by Bill and Gloria Gaita it's 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 called will there be any stars on my crown So when you get to when we I, as I imagine it's about getting to heaven and then getting uh crowned mm-hmm. because of the work you have done and the work one has done will not be in material form it will be in form of other people how many other people will you present or will present themselves as people you touched along the way so those people are the crowns and the the stars on your crown so i keep thinking church or service touches quite a number of people so when church or service gets to heaven there will be stars there will be living gems actually the song talks about living gems hmm. uh, it talks about presenting will there be any stars in my crown when we present living gems will we get crowns how many crowns or how many stars will there be on my crowns yeah so i keep thinking church or service is just accumulating those stars in its work and i keep thinking every time morris walks 100 miles stars just <laughs> jump into his crown <laughs> you know walking walking with you for just one day i was left feeling i wouldn't do this i i, I don't know why i would do this <laughs> <laughs> so for the listeners um yunis uh, did accompany me and i have to think in in uh, yeah one of the, of my uh, of the days it was in in michigan uh, in michigan yes um and i think we walked 20 plus miles together right yes It yes was? we did yeah. a whole day we finished yeah. at six by which time i was crawling literally that <laughs> 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 yeah, was yeah i i great memories too to the day that, yeah. was, that was wonderful um You know, Yunus, uh, I have one more question for you. And and um, yeah, you know, last year we 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 in the 2021 we celebrated our 75th anniversary. That was also a time, and actually, it's still a time of reflection, looking back, and and um, yes. what can we do better? And a, a big topic for us, and rightly so, is you know. What was our role of CWS in fighting injustice and especially racial injustice? Um, and could we have done better? And what should we be doing now uh, on the basis of those lessons, but also on the basis of, of the situation in the world today? So can you maybe yeah, give some reflections uh, on that? Mm-hmm. Um, well, my response is uh, i respond the way i do because of what i do and esalisa chamo is keen to think about um community participatory research research that uh, works very closely with local communities 
uh, informing how to respond to situations in local contexts. So I'm thinking um, churchhold service is doing a great job, but it could do more if it put more attention into um, working with local communities and letting the local communities guide more in terms of what can we do and how do we do it. And it applies in this, in this case, even local communities would refer to young people. If you're interested in engaging young people, then you'd want to engage the young people to tell you how to engage them. Mm. Then that would be more effective. I don't know whether I'm making sense. No, no, I, I, I understand what you, what you, what you mean. Yeah. 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 Any, any, any last thing you would like to share around, you know, the topic that we discussed today, um, CWS. Although, mm -hmm. you know, I, I hope that uh, even for listeners who are not familiar with the work of CWS, um, they've learned something today around, you know, mm -hmm. the, the work that needs to be done and how you can do it, um, how as an organization you can continue to learn as, as mm -hmm. people part of an organization, you need to do the same yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. I'm... I'm very much you know closely monitoring now also what's happening around the inner development goals for example um mm -hmm. you know you, you know 17 sustainable development goals were identified the progress is slow one of the reasons yeah. uh, mm -hmm. folks say is that we as individuals as well as people uh you know we need to do a better job in ensuring that mm -hmm. we reach those goals and therefore um, you know, you need to develop capacity, capabilities. Uh, you need mm -hmm. to grow yourself as well. So uh, yeah. five, five goals were identified that they call mm -hmm. the inner development goals. So, yeah, any, any message from you or, or you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think um, I would like to say uh, my experience of church or service is that it does a great job uh, reducing um, the negative impacts of hunger, of uh, poverty, of uh, specific settings, you know, kind of giving people hope in otherwise hopeless situations, like situations where there have been floods and people have been um displaced you know people have been dislocated you know church or service has been doing a good job and i would say um if i was younger and if i was richer i would give much more of myself to church or service um and i would encourage people to read more get to know more about what church or service is doing and see what they can do towards putting some stars on their crowns. And um, finally, I would like to say that um, church or service has an opportunity. Faith-based organizations actually have an opportunity, a great opportunity today because uh, the world is increasingly recognizing the importance of um, values and actually declaring that these are at the center of development as long as you are talking about human development because people are moved by um, emotions, human beings are moved by emotions and um, there's much more to life than just material things. And very often the material things are driven. People give because of certain values. So if we are able to promote those values, then the giving will happen. The sharing will happen. 
the protection of the environment will happen. Otherwise, we can talk about climate change. We can talk about a huge gap between the rich and the poor. We can talk about uh, being in this together and fighting it together. But as long as we don't have human values, which is the software of human development, we will develop things that are not sustainable. We will develop around material things and material things can collapse anytime. So I would say uh, if church or service would pay more attention to, um, to issues of values and see how um, spirituality, where spirituality refers to relationships, how building relationships can lead to more sustainable development. I think that would be exciting. That would be exciting for faith-based organization because faith-based organization are grounded on faith, which is not tangible. It's also a value. It is something we can't put our hands on and yet it moves so much. It is so, so powerful. So I guess uh, this is opportunity for faith-based organization to bring out the best in believing in values. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Eunice. Uh, always a, a pleasure and delight to, to talk with you, to listen to you. Um, yeah, thank you um, for thank who you are and what you do. Thank you, Maurice. Thank you for this opportunity. I wish you the best as you continue to do what you do best. Particularly for church for the service. Thank you very much. Yeah, sama sama. Okay, sama sama. <laughs> Do you see you? Do you see me? Will you be the eyes so that we all can be? Thank you for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you want to know more about Churchful Service, please go to cwsglobal.org.